Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a warning against the adulteress as we pick up in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 24. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. To keep thee from the evil woman and from the flattery of the tongue of strange women. Lust not after her beauty in your heart. Neither let her take you with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a crust of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon a hot bed of coals and his feet not be burned? So is he that goes into his neighbor's wife. Whosoever touches her shall not be innocent. Now men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. But if he is found, he shall restore sevenfold, and he shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding, and he does it to the destruction of his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though you give him many gifts. So keep yourself from the flattery of the strange woman, do not lust after her beauty in your heart. In the New Testament, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, as he is talking concerning the law as it was being taught to them in that day and the law as it was intended when given by God, was showing by many examples that when God gave the law, God was interested in the attitude of a man's heart more than the actions of a man's life. Because it is possible to have the right actions with the wrong attitude. And it is also possible to have the wrong actions with the right attitude. But God is looking at the heart. Now, the law said, and the Pharisees were teaching them that the law said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And yes, the law did declare, thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus said, I say unto you, if any man looks upon a woman and lusts after her in his heart, he's already committed adultery. In other words, it's the inner attitude of a man that is so important. That is why he said, keep your heart with all diligence because out of the heart come the issues of life. So James tells us, let no man say when he is tempted that God tempted me the other day. For God doesn't tempt men to do evil. 
But a man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it is finished, brings sin. If you follow it through, it'll lead you right into sin. It begins in the heart. Oh, wow, you know. Look at that, you know. Look out. Cut it off at that point. As Paul said to Timothy, flee youthful lust, for they'll drown a man's soul in hell. Run if you must. Do as Joseph. Get out of there as quickly as possible if you feel that, you know, it's getting too hard to handle. Man, just turn and run as fast as you can go. He continues his exhortation to the son in chapter 7, still talking about these women that are the wrong sort. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the pupil of your eye. Bind them upon your fingers. Write them on the table of your heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman and from the stranger who flatters with her words. So keep the commandments. Say to wisdom, thou art my sister. Be wise, my son. For at the window of my house, I looked through the casement, and I beheld among the simple ones, and I discerned among the young people a young man who was void of understanding. And he was passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way towards her house. And in the twilight and in the evening and in the black and the dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without. Now she's in the streets and she's lying in wait at every corner. So she caught him and she kissed him. And with an impudent face, she said unto him, I have made my peace offerings this day I have paid my vows, which was declaring I am ceremonially clean. I'm gone, you know, I, I've had my period, and after the period, a woman was then to bring the peace offering to offer, and now you're ceremonially clean for sexual relationships. Now, this to me is interesting. It is an interesting kind of a paradox. Here she is observing the law for purification, following the law. I've paid my vows, you know, and I've brought my peace offering. I have my peace offering. I've paid my vows and all, you know, so I'm now ceremonially clean. I'm able to have intercourse. And yet, a harlot, yet seeking to entice a man, and, and this strange 
paradox of obedience to the law and yet disobedience to God. And unfortunately, we observe this strange paradox so often in the religious circles where somehow we have a weird kind of a twisted judgment thinking that because I've gone to church, because I've done my righteous thing, that I now have some kind of a license to do the unrighteous thing. And this admixture of light and darkness, walking after the Spirit and trying to live after the flesh, trying to please God and still following the lust of my own flesh. It, it's an incongruency. And yet we see it so often in the religious circles where people are trying to get this strange admixture of the flesh and the spirit. And so here she is. I've, you know, done my peace offering and I've got it with me. I've paid my vows. Come to my house. You know, my husband's gone. He took a bag of money. He's gone on a trip. He's not going to be back till the new moon. So, you know, come on over. And how wrong it is. How often some of the young people from the college and career or Singles Fellowship, tell about meeting someone here. And because they met them in church, they figured that they would be, you know, morally upright and all, and, and how that the guys just keep trying to come on when they're out on a date or something. And though they, they come to church and they'll read the word and they'll sing the choruses, they'll raise their hands and, and all, and yet turn right around and you get out in a car or something and they're trying to make advances that are improper advances. These things ought not to be. That weird kind of an inconsistency. So she caught him, she kissed him, and with an impudent face she said to him, I have a peace offering with me. This day I've paid my vows. Therefore I came to meet you and I diligently sought you until I found you. And I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestries, with the carved works of fine linen from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. Now, here again is a total misconception that prevails to the present day. Somehow people have a weird terminology calling sexual intercourse love. It can be an expression of love. But it is generally, when outside of marriage, always an expression of lust. 
And so rather than saying, come, let's take our fill of love, in reality, you should say, come, let's take our fill of lust. Let's seek to fulfill the desires of our flesh. There isn't true love in that. True love is, is giving, not seeking to receive. Seeketh not its own. But yet people have classified this love from the time of Proverbs, and they still do today. Oh, we made love last night. No, that's, that's degrading to the term of love. Unless, as I say, it's as God has ordained within the sacred bonds of marriage and it becomes that beautiful expression between husband and wife where, as God said, the two become one flesh. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken the bag of gold with him. He's not going to come back until the appointed day. And so with her fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. And he's going after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool goes to the correction of the stocks until a dart strike through his liver. As a bird hastes to the snare and he knows not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, attend to the words of my mouth, let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, and going down to the chambers of death. So in speaking of, of and warning his son concerning the whorish woman, first of all, he makes mention of the fact that she can bring a man to a crust of bread. Oh, I think of the lives and the homes and the values that have been destroyed by these kind of women. All of the homes that are suffering today because some little gal's flirting in the office, flattering telling you how smart you are, how strong you are, how macho you are. And you get home and your wife is maybe saying, why don't you ever want to do anything, you know? And when are you going to mow the lawn? You're so lazy, you know. And, and, and you're getting this kind of a crossfire. Pretty soon you imagine yourself to be in love, and pretty soon you're brought to a crust of bread, destroyed. She's cast down many wounded. Many strong men have been slain by her. Oh, God, I think of the many strong men who have been slain by the weakness of their own flesh. Her house is the way to hell. In chapter 8, we have an ode to wisdom. Wisdom is personified. And because of the personification of wisdom in this chapter, some have even likened wisdom unto Jesus Christ. 
For in him are hid all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So there are analogies that can definitely be drawn because Christ is the soul, the heart of wisdom. In him, all the treasures of wisdom. So there are definite analogies that can be made to wisdom and to Jesus Christ, and there is definite parallels. There are definite parallels. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Now, of course, we, we have just, this is in sharp contrast to the previous chapter where this loud, stubborn, little, impudent female is running around with her words of flattery in the streets and all. But doth not wisdom cry, and understanding puts forth her voice. She stands at the top of the high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She cries at the gates and at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call. My voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing perverse or forward in them. They are all plain to him that understands and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. In other words, prefer wisdom to wealth. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired cannot be compared to wisdom. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, wisdom is speaking and declares pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all of the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue better than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or before the earth ever was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was brought forth. 
While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there, when he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me finds life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongs his own soul, and all they that hate me love death. So, we see how that Solomon is exhorting concerning wisdom. How wisdom is crying out for people, come, know me, understand me, listen to me. And the value of wisdom, treasure. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Proverbs on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Proverbs 6-8 through 8 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week. And may his words sustain you. May God really begin a powerful work in your life. May the Spirit of the Lord just really rest heavy upon you. And may you really have a chance to share the love of Jesus Christ with someone else this week. So God bless you and give you a rich week in fellowship with him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Do you want to know a great story about gang members, drug addicts, mental patients, society's rejects, and how God turned their lives around to use them mightily? It's all right here in the book Harvest. Join Pastor Chuck Smith as he tells the story of how God transformed the lives of 10 men to reach the world. 
Read the testimonies of Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, Mike McIntosh, John Corson, Skip Heitzik, and others, and see for yourself that if God can use these guys to spread the gospel worldwide, then God can use you too. To read a sneak preview of the book online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. I want to encourage you to check it out. This just might be the book to change a life of a loved one or even you. Visit thewordfortoday.org.